Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Buffy, the Vampire, the Vampire, the Vampire, the Vampire, the Vampire, the Vampire, the We stand together, an academic pop culture symposium. Mm-hmm. We are the pop culture professors, smart people, dumb topics. That's right. And I have never felt dumber than today. <laughs> oh, wow. Catching you at a, at a high point. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mm-hmm. my name's Caitlin Bitsagai. Who are oh. you? Do you know your name? Uh, last time someone referred to me, they called me, you know, I'm not going to repeat oh, what no. they called oh, me, no. but I think my legal name is still Lauren Brickman. Great. We'll go with the mm-hmm. SAG name. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, we've both taught classes at the college level. You said you were just doing some work. I was. I was just in my favorite thing, a virtual faculty meeting. Oh, great. Yep, yep, yep. All the fun of real faculty meetings. <laughs> with none of the free food. Actually, who am I kidding? I never went to a school that actually fed us. So that's fake news. But that was you were aspiring to that. Now that's off the table. Well, you know, they uh, allegedly were all going to have to be back in classrooms soon. So I will miss seeing what various states of um, the world my faculty friends have fled to during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. fun yeah. adventure. Like, where in the world are you? Yeah. Totally. Somebody was on a train today and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? That's pushing it. Yeah, it's pushing it. Um, well, we're going to talk about standing today mm-hmm, and every mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. Lauren, what is standing? Standing as being an obsessive fan of something, a particular actor, celebrity, household appliance, as Caitlin has pointed out on more than one occasion. So, Caitlin, what are you standing this week? You know, I'm standing something quite broad. It is the weather right now. Look, folks, this is not a pop culture topic, but Mm-mm. people and frankly, podcast doesn't come out live. So I don't know what the weather is like when you're walking around or where you are. But today, in my day, the weather is great. People are like outside doing Mm -hmm. twirls. We've got low transmission of COVID cases. People are just outside doing flips. Uh, A kid, my neighbor, like uh, his soccer ball went Mm -hmm. too far and I like kicked it back to him joyfully. Like I'm at the beginning of a movie where Mm -hmm. everything's about to go wrong, which is inevitably what will happen. But Mm -hmm. nonetheless, loving standing the weather 
today. Lauren, mm. what are you standing? Well, this is a, a really niche stand this week. Okay. But, uh, well, mine was not yours. Is Okay, great. Mine is great. really niche. The yin and yang. I am standing the fact that I am recording today. And Stan stands who have been following my journey during the last couple of years, you know that I recorded from a lot of different closets in a lot of different places. But today... Mm-hmm. I'm standing the fact that I'm recording from friend of the podcast, Fat Carrie Bradshaw's childhood bedroom. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just home, but bedroom. No, I am in his bedroom and um, a little nervous. He's. I think he's going to stay away, but I don't know. He told me he was going to go do his beauty regimen while I recorded. So we'll see what that looks like. It just looked like he was changing from one pair of camel pants to another. Beauty can be anything. But he's... But he said it was his fancy camo. So I'm excited. We're, we're in Albany living our best lives. I think wow. that the fact that I'm going to go, apparently after we're done recording, we're going to his brother's basement. Okay. To hang out and meet the fam. Okay. So I do think that all of the beautiful things you described about the weather and the carefree nature of the world is going to come to an end because I can't imagine um, that there won't be repercussions from from what happens tonight in this Albany basement. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we love a basement hang. We Mm -hmm. love a basement hang. Shout out to former guest and friend of the pod, Fat Carrie Bradshaw. He's got a new pod. He does. It's called We've Got the Receipts. Uh, It's a Netflix pod, baby. He's a full-time podcaster now. He don't got no day job. So we're very proud. And it's a great podcast, by the way. Having a lot of fun. And I'm watching a lot of Life After Death this weekend on Netflix because he has to prep for that episode. So... Wow. It's exciting. You're a family. You're a team. Honestly, he's he's the wife I never knew I deserved. That's true. Um, you know, well, speaking of families and teams, we have a great group of guests today. Mm. And podcasting. And podcasting it's all teams. The, it's all these things together. Yeah. Please welcome to the show, Julie Harney, John Reinman, and Tommy Rico. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Hey, fam. So happy to be here. How's it going? We stand. You know, we're living our best lives with this great weather Caitlin just described here in the past. Oh, yeah. Uh, but today, <laughs> we're not just here to talk weather, though we could. We're here to talk about <laughs> wrestling, shockingly enough. Sports entertainment. Sports entertainment. Oh, sports entertainment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We have to use the proper. Okay. Great. We're learning. We're learning. This is a classroom. Caitlin and Lauren are going to learn a lot of lingo today. I love it. Sorry. So, was that the Stockholm Syndrome or the microchip? It made me sports say entertainment. that. I don't know. Anyway, sports entertainment. We don't, we're not in the wrestling business. We're in the sports entertainment business. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. I, you know, I've often admitted to not being an expert on a topic we've talked about, but I don't think I've yeah. ever known so little about a topic as right. I do today. I'm pretty excited about it. We love to learn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we like to to uh, give our credits on a certain topic. And even though Lauren just outed herself as not knowing that much. Mm-hmm. Lauren, do you have a credit that, that will make our audience feel at home? Well, I will say the closest thing I have to a credit is that Julie, after working as a writer at the WWE, I once showed her a video from when I did a clown project in grad school. And Julie told me with confidence that she thought I could have had a very successful career as a wrestler. Yeah. So my credit is that a few choices in a different direction. And I would have been working at the WWE too, baby. Wow. That's my credit. That's amazing. And that's right out of Julie's mouth. The so. funny thing about th- there is there was actually um, in my childhood, there was a character named Doink the Clown. And uh, the the interesting thing is, if you were to say that at a meeting in Stanford, okay, see? everyone would laugh, uh, except 
for about 30 seconds, you would see Vince looking up at the ceiling because he's legitimately would be thinking, hmm, could we do that? And it'd be like, a, and then he would look at everyone and go, a girl doink. And then, uh, and then Bruce Pritchard, who's like his number two, would just look, just stare daggers through whoever just, it's kind of, I call it this, it's something I've learned in TV in general. Fair. Is that if you pitch it, if you say it, it might end up on TV. Uh, I learned that in late night. So it's like, I call it the stay puff principle. Meaning that if you think of it, if you if you will it into existence, it might come around the corner. Oh, yeah. no, a vision board. That's what <laughs> yeah, we in the I, industry call a vision board and the secret. But it's not always a good thing. All I heard was, Lauren, if you want, you can be doink the girl. And that is what I'm going doink to. Doink the clown. The clown. No, I heard doink the girl. <laughs> doink the girl. Also doink. Oh, I see what you're saying. Doink the girl. Yeah, yeah. And Lauren, don't give up on your calling, by the way, because WWE has a new directive. Okay. They are currently looking for WWE superstars of the future to not be wrestlers. They're actually recruiting from outside of the wrestling world, mostly because inside the wrestling world, everybody that wants to become a wrestler is a 165-pound white guy. So <laughs> don't give up yet. Listen, I mean, there's still hope. Wow. We haven't even gotten past the intro, and my life has already changed. The same group of people that want to be improvisers, 165-pound <laughs> white guys. Interesting. There's something although, there. Although wrestlers are innately more funny. I could just see 15 years from now when Vince comes in and looks at the roster and goes, God damn it. Why are there so many pro bowlers here? <laughs> it's just like, well, remember you wanted, they were the only ones that showed up. Mm, you're going to be strike trademark strike. What's the other guy's <laughs> name? I didn't think of this. Bruce, come to my office. Wow. Wow. Perfect. Well, Caitlin, how, what's your credential though? I, obviously I'm a pro wrestler now. What's your credit? That's a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. I, I actually have two, strangely enough, even though I, as a, as a youth, I was into wrestling. Um, and there was one wrestler I like partic in particular. And uh, as my brother and I have birthdays one day apart. So my parents told us that we're going to get to go out for our birthdays and we have to dress up. So we wore like Easter clothes. You know, what did we have? It wasn't, you know, rent the runway, but we like thought we were going somewhere fancy and also, we're young, so we don't, like, know where anything is. We don't know where we're being driven, really. My brother kept trying to guess what it was. And he's like, does it have something to do with one of our gifts? And they said, yes. And I had gotten a little figure of Jake the Snake Roberts. And it turns out we were driving to the Louisville Gardens to see Jake the Snake headline. <laughs> now, I was so excited. But keep in mind, we're in church clothes. <laughs> This was a nightmare uh, to attend a wrestling match dressed basically for Easter. Um, so that happened, number one. My number two credit is... Wait, before you go to number two, you've been to a wrestling match. Not only oh, that, yeah. but you've been to a Jake the Snake wrestling match. Like that, I feel that's major cred. Like that's pretty good cred. Uh-huh. And I had a shirt for a long time. I don't know where. I'm still looking for it. I actually opened for Jake the Snake Roberts at a comedy show in Burbank. Yeah, I was going to say, you worked with Jake. Yeah, he is uh, gigantic. And he is he was very warm to me, but also terrifying because he has like catcher's mitt-sized hands. Yeah. And after the show, he's like, good show, kid, and slapped me on the back. And it was like a soft just gentle pat on the back and it, I could feel it rattling my lungs around my rib cage. <laughs> but he was, uh, he, he 
is a guy who's had a really checkered history. The yeah. guy's had a real tough life. And he has he is just full of insane stories. And each insane story that he told at that show, I had never heard before, even though I had heard about a thousand other insane Jake the Snake Roberts stories, including many where he loses a live snake uh, sometimes on purpose in someone's house. So, <laughs> Did that happen to you, Caitlin? Did that happen at the show? No. And, you know, I don't know why he was my favorite because I've always been terrified of snakes and I really hate looking at snakes. So something in me was like off at that time where I was like so attracted to the thing I fear. Well, Caitlin, for for reference, this wasn't WWE Jake mm-hmm. the Snake, right? This was was this later on down the road, Jake the Snake? Oh, was this like an independent show? This was. Well, it was uh, no, it, it was uh, WWF. I mean, I think it was. Oh, OK. Time. Yeah, that was sort of my my era. I don't think I ever saw Jake, so that's really awesome. That's cool. That is really cool. I'm sorry, that's credit number one. I'd love to hear credit number Credit number one's pretty good. Like, I, for, that's a, that's a good credit. That's a really good credit. Credit number two is not bad either. And by the way, shout out to, shout out to Jake, by the way, for, I mean, it's pretty amazing. He has a pretty amazing story if anyone wants to look it up. But, uh, it's like, he was someone that didn't seem like was long for this world, but man, he's still here. He survived COVID. He's overcome, so, no, but it's really it's a I get tell people if you're ever just looking for some inspiration. He's an interesting guy. I'd like to still be here. Better health than some of and us. A great probably. storyteller. Yeah, great storyteller. Yeah. John's trying to get you another figurine, Caitlin. Good. I need more. <laughs> I need more merch. Or just a free snake that you're gonna you're gonna wake up that tomorrow with that a I snake prefer and a thank you note. Uh, well, my like. second one is also good. I have to say, I worked in Atlanta <laughs> on a show. Unfortunately, I was not in a scene with this person but we were both put up at the same hotel in atlanta and it's rick flair and we drank at the bar wow. together this could go really badly this story could go really bad <laughs> are you sure he was a guest of the hotel or was he just at the, the hotel bar uh, the only reason i know <laughs> is because we worked for the same I'm not, sh- I'm not judging by the way some people do that i'm just saying it's just the bar is a bar oh oh no 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 and at this bar in particular that was very common it's called the 12 in atlanta and it's where a lot of fringe entertainment people hang out i know that he was put up at the hotel probably to see rick flair we both were by the same production so i i know that he was there yeah and he his his uh weird guy but it it went fine it went fine <laughs> was was he in his robe no he wasn't in his robe he was just in clothes okay he was in street clothes good well, was he telling stories and yeah, like being totally. very like he's totally being rick flair, being rick probably, flair right? as advertised like I, uh, when I was working on a show that, uh, <laughs> got nominated for an Emmy, uh, we were going to the Emmys once and, um, I took the later flight and then my friend texted me when I was in the air and said, Ric Flair is at our hotel. Wow. And I hated myself. I was the only one on, of our like friend group from the writing staff and they all just, hung, they were sending me pictures and they all hung out with him and then he had to go. He had somewhere to go because it was LA. And uh, they said he just sat and told stories like Santa Claus for like an hour, hour and a half. And I was the only one that didn't meet him. Yeah. To be clear, John is the biggest WWE fan. I think I think if it's the Emmy nominated show that I'm thinking of um, in that group, too, he was probably one of the few WWE like knows everything about WWE. So the, to miss it. Yeah. And this was but it was so it's everyone is sending me pictures of them with Ric Flair. So I have a bunch of pictures of other people with Ric Flair. I have pictures of other people with Ric Flair. (laughs) (laughs) Framed. It was almost better in a way. And then uh, he kept like giving a thumbs up in each one, like saying, like waving to me. And I was just like, 
So in a way, that was almost a funnier bit because they said that like he came to life and he's like, "When's your friend getting here?" And they're like, "He's still on the airplane." He's like, "I love it. Let's send him another picture." Yeah, he loves being Ric Flair. Like that's a great part about. Oh him. God. Hey man, anyone that loves being who you are, you know that's that's tough to pull off. So God bless. Totally agree. So what would you say your credit is as 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 a group or individuals to to speak on wrestling? <laughs> well, John has described me as the the Forrest Gump of professional wrestling. Wow. Because I like I'm a huge fan, but I've also just had these like odd casual encounters where I bump into these people outside and but like I've I worked out next to Macho Man Randy Savage at the gym once. <laughs> I've opened for Jake the Snake. Tell them why though. Tell how that sta- how uh, that happened. So Randy Savage though. <laughs> I used to work for a gym because when you're unskilled labor, uh, you spin the wheel of bad jobs and it, it hits gym at least once. And so it was the grand opening of this gym in Watertown, Massachusetts. And uh, so they brought in Macho Man Randy Savage to do the grand opening. And they had like velvet ropes set up outside. Like they were expecting thousands of people. Uh, on the day of, it was the worst rainstorm that I can ever remember in Massachusetts, and I lived there most of my life. It was just absolutely pissing rain outside, and they got three people. One, two, three. And in wrestling, if you get to three, that shit is done. It's over. So he signed his three autographs, and this was Macho Man Randy Savage, mid-1990s. I think he was between WWE and uh, WCW because he was jumping companies. So and just... To provide context for anyone who may not remember, you'll remember him from this. If anyone ever saw a Slim Jim commercial in the 90s, that's the Macho, that's macho Man Randy Savage. So the sure. snap it, snap it to a Slim Jim. Right. Yeah. Snap in. Snap it to a Slim Jim. Mm. Yeah. If you never saw a Slim Jim commercial, just picture if a tanning <laughs> bed and cocaine had a baby. That was Macho <laughs> Man Savage. And so okay. Okay. He, uh, he was in full Macho Man regalia just tassels and cowboy hat sunglasses to be clear though i don't i don't think he did cocaine i think cocaine did randy savage yes that's how that's oh, how absolutely. no for real like i've not heard a whole lot of story it was just that randy savage was just a different kind of human being than human beings like he was just kind of like right tom is that fair to say that he was lived the gimmick just, absolutely lived the gimmick, the gimmick and he's 100 like what you saw on tv the slim jim guy that's him all the time, no matter what, that's him with the flu. That's him if he's talking in his sleep. And just like every story you hear about Randy Savage is always just like 100% intense. Yeah, his own brother has said that like there was a point where Macho Man <laughs> became Randy Savage or Rand- Randy Poffo, Randall Poffo. He was actually, mm-hmm. a, he was a minor league baseball player. He almost had a career in the majors. <laughs> Whoa. So he's wearing all the outfit, the cowboy hat, the tassels and all that stuff. Everything. He had all his Macho Man gear on. And then signs his three autographs and I'm on an exercise bike and I'm just kind of like staring off into the corner at him because it's just like, it's so weird to have a childhood hero like within proximity of you. I'm in Massachusetts and I'm not used to famous people being anywhere around me. And uh, although at that same gym, Mm -hmm. uh, Eliza Dushku used to work out there and she had just come, this is is how I am. She used to, she had just started working out there because she did a True Lies with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. She played the daughter. And so she would go in, she lived in Watertown, Massachusetts, where this gym was. And she would go in like in full makeup, but she would throw around some heavy poundages for a tiny lady. She was really, really strong and took her workouts very seriously. But so I'm on an exercise bike, just kind of staring at Macho Man and Macho Man signs his three autographs and then turns to the gym owner and says, "Uh, mind if I work out? 
And the gym owner's like, yeah, it's your time. Go ahead. So this is a brand new gym. No one's in it except for the three people that signed autographs and they've already bounced. So I'm sitting there pedaling away and Macho Man decides that he needs to get his cardio in and just picture a giant row of empty exercise bikes with just me on the end of it. And Macho Man decides to take the bike right next to me. And again, by the way, in full Macho Man regalia, he didn't change. Oh, he left the jacket oh, with the tassels perfect. on. I don't know how they didn't catch man. in the mechanism. So he hops on the right. bike, starts pedaling like a maniac, and turns to me and goes, what's going on, brother? <gasps> and I'm, I look at him like... Am I having a stroke or is this happening? Oh my God. <laughs> and usually when you're at the gym and you're deep into yeah. like a cardio workout and you start to see Randy Savage. Yeah, most of the time that's yeah. that's an event. <laughs> that's it's not the greatest sign, but for you that really was that's like number two on the list. Burnt toast and then Macho Man. But you actually it was the real him. So I I turned to him and I, I my voice cracked. I was like, hey, Mach. And uh <laughs> he goes. Yeah, got to get the cardio in, kid. If I don't get the cardio in, I don't look so macho. You know what I'm saying? And he's pedaling away. And I'm I'm a quarter Italian, so I know this type of energy. He had 100% like goofy Italian energy and uh, like just goofy Italian uncle <laughs> energy. And he was just self-deprecating and funny. And we just chatted back and forth. And uh, I, I told him, I'm like, hey, Mach, I'm sorry we didn't get a big turnout for you. We expected like a ton of people. And he goes, kid. The check cleared before I got on my plane to go to Boston. As far as I'm concerned, they're paying me to talk to you, and you seem like nice company. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, wow. Oh. I am starting to think this is this, this was uh, an event you had during cardio. It took not... me like the entire cardio session to realize that it had actually happened. And then I turned to my right, and I said to the village people, <laughs> did you guys hear what well, Randy Savage just said to me? In in closing, though, he... he so we're going back and forth and it's just bizarre to me. And uh, I just, it just struck me that like, it must be so hard to be this on all the time. And I said to him, I'm like, God, it's gotta be mm. hard being macho man all the time. And he goes, nah, kid, it's easy being <laughs> macho. It's hard to be a man. And <laughs> I was just like, you know what? Chisel wow. that on my gravestone. That is <laughs> profundity. This is an off Broadway show. <laughs> you need to write it. My I was bike just going to say, Macho. He was, he was just the sweetest guy ever. So nice. I've never heard someone tell a story about working out and thought, I want to see that movie. You know, that yep. was the first time for everything. <laughs> it was 20 minutes on, a, on an exercise bike. I shall never forget. Yeah, you need to be the new Charlie Murphy. Because you're the one with all the crazy, you had Mean Gene, Mean Gene Okerlund that yeah, time. I saw The Undertaker at a Bisuteki Steakhouse. Uh, the <laughs> also in character, I did not talk to him. He was not in a talking mood. Uh, and it, th Fair. this was like at the beginning of The Undertaker character when he was really committing to it. And he was just mm. eating, but he was eating, like he wasn't in the, like the dark circle makeup under the eyes, but he's just this big red haired white guy just this massive presence and he just sat there and silently ate at the like just shoveling giant mouths full of steak and nobody talked to him i think one person approached him for an autograph and he looked at them and they recoiled and went away and uh that was it was just hilarious to watch man but, everyone is playing their parts hard. Well, that's why everyone wants they, to be a heel because if you because everyone I mean, yeah. if you want to be if you're a bad guy then you get to be a jerk and yeah Everyone's always like, oh, man, it's so cool. That guy was just a jerk to me. You know, it's, it's the Larry David 
uh, theory where it's just like if you if you hide any niceness about you, you can get away with pretty much anything. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Julie, what brought you into the wrestling fold? How, how, are, how do you feel you speak to this world? Yeah, uh, I was really lucky. I got the opportunity to write on the show. Yeah. Um, and I wrote there for about nine months. I wrote for Monday Night Raw. I, my background, what, how I knew was um, Total Divas, Total Bellas. Like that's the WW. And of course, you know, you grew up in the 90s. I think WWF was just a part of the 90s zeitgeist. Uh, we all know The Rock. We all know John yeah. Cena. Um, sure. They both came from this world. And I um, had cousins who had that. I actually got in trouble once because I called them those pillow dolls. And they're not called pillow dolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, that is not the correct language to call them wrestling buddies they're wrestle buddies they're wrestle not buddies, pillow yeah. dolls <laughs> i was i said that at wwe and i think i offended everybody in the room when i called them pillow dolls oh that's hilarious yeah i used to watch wrestling with my cousins too wrestling has a cousin energy it does uh, totally it's a cousin vibe my older cousins <laughs> would and then they because i was smaller that's exactly it like i was the i was the littler cousin they would like to you know pick me up and throw me on the couch because you know they then could actually lift you up and, and show off the the wrestling moves that they had but yeah my my background i just i'm i'm a writer and so um to get the opportunity to write for uh one of the best brands in the world that has been around for a really long time i just absolutely felt like such a great opportunity and um i yeah i jumped at it i jumped at it oh my gosh and John, Julie already said you know everything about WWE. <laughs> Do you need a bigger credit? I don't know if the people there would agree with that. <laughs> That's never been an issue for me. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they think. I've been a fan uh, probably since I was about eight years old. And it was right when I was getting into sports. Wow. And, um, I don't know. It's just like it's a combination of sports and music and just fantasy. Just everything. And so I remembered um, one of the big things that really got me into it was uh, my dad was a pilot. And he, uh, a couple of times, uh, had Andre the Giant uh, as a passenger. And it was a commercial, commercial airplane. So those pictures you see of Andre the Giant in like three seats, when he has like the, you know, the, all the armrests up and he has the big giant seatbelt and everything sitting in the first row. So my dad flew him two or three times and he was doing a, a lot of acting by the time I was like old enough to watch that kind of stuff. He, he was, I don't think I was ever, I don't think I ever got to see him uh, compete, but he being Andre was uh, on some show and my dad said, Hey, I flew that guy. And I was like, Oh my God, I, go, I couldn't believe it was a real guy. I just recognized him from like the honeycomb commercials. I don't know if anyone remembers. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'd forgotten about those commercials. He was the giant. And I just, I was terrified of him. And then my dad was like, no, he's a really nice guy. And he was actually my dad's favorite, uh, like celebrity, uh, passenger he ever had on a plane. He, they always loved having Andre. And I think he had uh, Bobby Heenan, Bobby, the brain Heenan was there with him once and was, making everyone laugh and it was just great uh so my dad liked those guys opened what he didn't know would end up being a pandora's box because uh he kind of was like yeah i know this guy and i was like well, who is i use a wrestler like wrestling and then you know so i just went into the tv guide and saw when wrestling was on and in the boston area it was 11 a.m and 12 p.m on channel 25 every saturday morning and um the next thing you knew i was taking over the tv watching wrestling all the time 
And uh, that was my dad's Stay Puffed experience. That was his, uh, what have I started here? And um, just totally got into it. And it was um, my first year watching was Undertaker's first wow. year. That's a good year. In the WWF at the time. Yeah. And um, got to, every time I've run into him, I think three times, uh, maybe once at WWE and then twice at like the Tonight Show, got to either work with or talk to The Undertaker. And that's kind of why I'm cool with him. So like, I kind of just explained your rookie year was my first year as a fan. And so like, I always kind of trace it back to. Uh, when people say, yeah, what was going on? The Undertaker, I'm like, oh, that's fourth grade. Yeah, he's fighting Giant Gonzalez. Like, I can, I go back to like whatever, you know, part of my childhood. And so I'm like most people, I think, and that I was in and out of it. I stopped watching in the mid 90s. It just, there are a couple things about it. It just, I just started to, even as a kid, you start to notice like, like storylines you've seen before and you're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. And it just felt like that, you know, that moment when you're into something as a kid and then you're just like, all of a sudden the shoes don't fit. You're just like, it's just, it's just in for me. <laughs> and so I just stopped. And then all of a sudden when I was in high school, everyone was talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin and everybody was talking about, uh, Kane. I was, you know, did you know the undertaker has a brother? And I was like, what? And, uh, of course, Sable, she was in, in Playboy. And, uh, for those who don't know, that was, that was a magazine kids magazines, uh, used to be a thing. Um, and then, um, I started watching it and there's this one summer that I, I had some health issues when I was like 16 and um, just was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch wrestling again. I'm going to try to get into it. And um, I saw all the guys people were talking about, but there was this one guy that was just, I thought hilarious. Like he was very clearly a, a heel. Like he was very clearly trying to just make you hate him, but he was so good at it and so entertaining and he would just make rip on the other wrestlers, just make fun of them. And I was just laughing. I was like, this guy's great. And six months later, The Rock's hosting Saturday Night Live. And that's when I was like, maybe I should. Just. And so it's kind of always been like that ever since. And, uh, you know, same thing. There was a, a guy that um, I was very lucky to work with a couple times, uh, WWE, Bray Wyatt, uh, who was very similar. He played a character um, called The Fiend. So, sort of the same thing. I remember those vignettes started running. I was like, oh, you know, I said to Tom, I was like, you seen, you know, this thing going on with Bray Wyatt and everyone's like what's up and so like I think I'm just like with anybody where it's like when you kind of notice something you're like I kind of like this and it kind of draws you in and then when it gets popular it, you sort of feel vindicated you're like you know like oh cool yeah I knew something was cool and so that's kind of what always what wrestling's been to me is like I always just get a kick out of seeing a commercial you know a seasons like someone that a year ago you know, I just watched it was, they'd be on, you know, raw or SmackDown and, you know, some of the fans knew them, whatever. And then they're doing like a big ad for, you know, Apple or T-Mobile or McDonald's and everyone's, they, they're, they're famous. And I just think it's like knowing what those men and women go through to get to be professional wrestlers. I mean, that's, that's three and a half lifetimes right there. And so then, then on top of that, have them cross over to the mainstream. So it's like my Saturday night live. It's like, I just like seeing Who's going to get big? Because, I mean, man, I tell you, when I was in college, you just told me, hey, do you know Batista is going to be one of the biggest Marvel stars of all time? I would have been like, what? He's not even the big, he's the least important guy in his four guy like gang here in wrestling. And then he's a movie star. And so I just think that that stuff's great. And I just, uh, so that, that's kind of what it's always been for me is like, I just love seeing other people get into it. Yeah. There's uh, there's one thing that stand up and 
wrestling really kind of intersect as far as like the trajectory. Hmm. And this is, it's very rare that you see a WWE wrestler make it to the main roster, make it to Raw or SmackDown, their two flagship shows under 30. It's generally like it takes, when oh, John cool. was saying it takes a lifetime, it really does because That's you people, cool. have people working the independent scene, you have people in the developmental territories, mm-hmm. you have people working their way up to get good enough to maybe make the main roster. And it's same thing with stand up. I mean, it takes a good five, 10 years to even be competent at it before right. people, before you're really ready. And some people buck the curve, some people are, are outliers, but for the most part, it takes a good 10 years to just get good enough at your job to and be I just, seen. I thing i always noticed too was for that reason you know everyone's different but for the most part most wrestlers i've been lucky enough to meet yeah um and then same thing with my dad he always said they were his favorite passengers it was just like you know he couldn't believe it it's like me and they were just so happy to be on an airplane you know that they weren't in a van somewhere and it's like every time I, it's just there, you, there's this seems to be this sort of humility and they're just fun to talk to and bray in particular was someone who I just achieved something pretty remarkable the last time I worked with him and I congratulated him, but he just kind of was like, you know, it's a team effort. Like he was just so like, um, and then he just kind of started talking about his daughters and everything. And it was just like, I was like, man, he's just a cool guy. Like he's just, but it was like what Tommy said, where I kind of looked up later how old and I was like, man, he's like the same age as me almost. And I was like, but, and it's like how hard and how long he, and his, his father was a famous wrestler. Yeah. So imagine having to follow that, those footsteps. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, um, but same thing, like, um, you know, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and, you know, everything they've, everything, anytime I've ever come across them, I was working on a show once where Triple H heard there was a guy from New Hampshire and he, he asked to meet. it's the only time ever a famous person <laughs> asked to meet me at the show. Oh. And I went down, we, we just talked about Hampton Beach for half an hour and where did you ever go to this place yeah oh man my buddies and i we went in there did you go to the shooting gallery yeah oh man it's <laughs> addictive isn't it i think that's the thing i'm not like I, i'm not i'm not part of this standum but i think the thing i've always liked about the world of wrestling is they do exactly what caitlin and i are obsessed with which is they never get too cool for it like no matter how famous the rock is no matter how a-list he is he will always be loving of the world he came out of and of the people still in it and i just love that about wrestlers and the fans of wrestling like it's a real it's a like the 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 fandom is the fun is fun to me and the love of the fans and each other and the people that are there i think it's cool i mean the fans are also the one thing that i really liked about wwe and what drew me there is the fans are part of the show and i think that is Something that isn't is really rare in a lot of entertainment that we especially in the world of COVID. I think while I was working there, the pandemic actually happened and coming to the reality and being very aware that the audience and the people in the audience, um, they are a character of the show. And it is very, very difficult to do that show. And I think similar, Tommy, exactly what you're saying about stand up comedy, that the audience becomes part of what you're developing and what you're creating um people just think it's the boo and the yays and it's so much more than that the audience dictates a lot of the energy and um a lot of of how the show actually works and i think that that's like a core part of of wrestling and that's that's why i love it my background is in digital Mm -hmm. and i love analytics and understanding why fans like things or do things you guys are the pop pop Mm -hmm. pop culture 
professors, so uh, very similar. Um, but that's why I really like WWE yeah. is the fans are there and they're <laughs> a character of the story. Yeah, so true. You know what? I I just have to I just have to interrupt. Um, fans who are listening last week know famously Lauren Michaels listens in real time every week when we are recording, and uh, he just DM'd me to say that we've said stand up too many times. So we actually have to we need to ha- we need to take a quick commercial break because Lauren has some notes for us, uh, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, turns out it was a false alarm. It wasn't actually Lauren. It was just last week's guest, Alexis, uh, trolling us really hard. Oh, there Feeling, he goes again. I think we've really opened up Pandora's box by uh, getting Alexis hip to the fact that we do this show. Right. Well, every former guest is allowed to sit in on every <laughs> subsequent recording. So we'll, we'll give you guys yeah. the Well, that's why I'm in the logins after. Bedroom. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's like the Tonight Show, but no one can leave the it's couch. True. Everyone stays and well, it just keeps getting here's longer. Here's the spoiler alert. Sure. Chris, I, I'm here at Chris's house first, but we are actually doing We Stand Big Brother. And pretty soon, everyone who's ever been on all hundred plus episodes will all be in Chris's parents' house and it'll be a survival game. So nice. good luck to everyone. May the odds ever be in Make favor. sure the cameras are rolling. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like for Netflix. Well, Caitlin, you have something pretty important to bring before our guest today. Thank you. I do. And this is crazy. I don't know how you guys feel about this person. I don't really know what their reputation is these days. I don't know how people look back on their um, tenure as, as a wrestling superstar. But here's a fact, and I just think we have to say it. Hulk Hogan was a man before his time in so many facets. I'm going to say three in particular. One, I think is obvious. Wrestler turned actor. So... If you lived that VHS lifestyle in the early 90s, you know about these films such as No Holds Barred. Suburban Commando was a particular favorite of mine, which was very uh, influential on in my house quite a bit. And then you have Mr. Nanny, which has been ripped off so directly so many times uh, by The Pacifier, which I will (laughs) give as a better title. It has a better title. Mm -hmm. Vin got him on that one. And then... The Rock did the Tooth Fairy, which isn't the exact same thing, but it's that same idea of like big, big wrestler man. <laughs> yes, it is. Also, I just have to mention that Suburban Commando is also an Undertaker. Movie. Oh, yeah. He's one of the goons. He's one of the space goons. So so I remember my dad kept like when we were, he took me to see it and uh, it was awkward because like it's Undertaker's the Undertaker. But why is he acting in a movie like in late 1991? Right. Like it was like. Right. And so my dad kept saying to me like, is that the Undertaker? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was trying not to. He kept pulling me out of it and being like, that was great when the Undertaker right. spoke in that high voice. Yes. And I was like, Dad, right. stop it, Dad. You're, right. ru- you're ruining the illusion. <laughs> yeah, but- you just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, right. And then he had a cameo in one of Lauren's favorite films, Muppets in Space. It's the one of the best films ever made. So this is an acting career. Uh, then number two, we have his four. This. OK, this one's crazy because his foray into reality TV Hogan knows best. This is such a template for keeping up with the Kardashians. It's crazy because both titles even like riff off like 50s television stuff. Both used kind of that Nick and Knight look when they started. They both have like no tone that they keep to at all. Sometimes it's completely um, 
like invented scenarios that are jokes. Sometimes it's Hulk Hogan reading a poem to his wife and the entire family crying. They end up getting a divorce, but it's fine. Um, it also has moments that like he talks about how he passed on the George Foreman grill and what a dumbass he was and just like ah. laughing at himself <laughs> in a way that I think, again, I think the Kardashians were able to do to greater effect, at least keeping the show going longer. And then he only lost like a billion dollars off that deal. Only like a billion. Just a billion. But but speaking of of billion dollar ideas, we have my third point which he was early early into the celebrity restaurant tour game with oh, Hulk yeah. Hogan's Pasta Mania 1995 oh, yeah. Mall of America. And uh, the only thing and like I I'm so curious to get your guys take on Hulk when I stop talking, but <laughs> it's just he didn't quite go hard into any of these because it would be proven later that these all work. Like, you can yeah. obviously be a wrestler turned absolute A-list superstar. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know if he, you know, he didn't have the will to win. I don't know if he just didn't want to leave Florida that much. I don't know if, you know, the, uh, I mean, certainly other issues happened. But it's kind of funny. He really laid a blueprint for, uh, like, things that other people would become very rich and, and more famous than him now off of. And I think it's interesting. So what's the word on Hulk? I do think... Yeah, I think what what you bring up, which I think WWE is really good at, and then I'm going to pass it over to to John and Tommy, who will know more specifically about Hulk Hogan. But the one thing that WWE teaches you very, very well is brand building, is how you build your own personal brand to the public. And I think that's something that potentially... A lot of other people, particularly early on, didn't necessarily think of, you know, acting is a craft. Why would I have to mm -hmm. build my brand? You know, I'm just trying to book and get on a show or right. a movie or do mm -hmm. various things. And I think something that um, wrestling allows you to do is sort of say, like, who am I? What's my identity? What's my focus that people can understand or latch on to? Mm -hmm. um, and I just think Hulk Hogan was really good at that and also had a team of people that were really good at building that um, and just saying, like, okay, here's this brand. Now, how does this brand work for a restaurant? Okay, here's this brand. Now, how does this brand work on a TV show? Um, that's, that's my take, mm -hmm. is that WWE knows how to build yeah. Yeah, I think that I think yeah. the thing with uh like Hulk Hogan in particular was, you know, that he was Hulk Hogan was so big in the eighties. And in a way, there were so many things about Hulk Hogan's personal brand that I think it was hard to for him to not be Hulk to be in something but not Hulk Hogan mm -hmm. was sort of the thing. And I think that that was sort of whereas, you know, like, you know, The Rock took off mainstream the end of 99 and 2000 and then right away it was in the scorpion king yeah and was right away doing other things mm -hmm. and by the time as his acting career was taking off it was almost like you blinked and you missed the rock overall because you know everyone talks about you know the rock but i mean the rock would even say this like in reality the rock had like a three-year real full-time run in WWE mm. and then took off. So like, again, like an SNL cast member that's on for like two years. And then it's just like, well, you're going to be in movie, you know, Chevy chase, you're, you're, you're in movies now. So or Kristen wig or something. I mean, Kristen was there a little longer, but like, you know, those people, uh, like they just are like, they hit right away and they're out of there. The Eddie Murphy's of the world. And so I think in a way that's good. But Hulk was like, you know, there's so much money in the 80s and the early 90s. And then by the time he's like, oh, I'm going to go be an actor now, everyone's like, you know, it's like, I don't know if anyone's seen the, um, 
I think you should leave sketch where it's the action movie with Santa Claus playing. <laughs> just simply, he's the bad guy in the movie. It's like, and then you're how, like, wait, so Santa Claus is the main guy. How am I going to think of you other? I think that's what happened with Hulk with anything he was in. It was like, it was like, oh, there's, you know, there's Hulk Hogan having a heart to heart with his niece about, you know, get, delivering some bad news about a family member. When's he going to rip his shirt off? And it was like, you know, just like, you know, no, he's not. It's just like, oh, well, then I don't want to see it. You know, it. that's that's so apt because I don't know if you know that like Chevy Chase in particular, the reason he says I, I'm Chevy Chase in update is like for his own branding. And mm-hmm. also he wouldn't wear like a Gerald Ford costume. He just Mm-mm. was going to be like, I'm Gerald Ford. <laughs> that's the impression so that he can put himself out there. So that's extremely apt, I think, comparison. <laughs> Well, in in all matters, Hulk Hogan, I'm definitely going to be the turd in the punch bowl on this one. Um, (laughs) Oh, and by the way, Caitlin, how dare you forget his grand contribution to the film Gremlins to the New Batch? How could you leave that out? (laughs) Caitlin, how dare you? I know. I'll mute myself for the rest of this uh, podcast. Thank you. um... Thank you. No, don't do that. No, I'm I'm, I'm also a huge uh, Gremlins stan. That Gremlin said his prayers after midnight, brother. (laughs) So Hulk Hogan... When I grew up, I started watching wrestling with my grandfather. My grandfather was from Cuba, and down in Cuba, one of his best friends was a wrestler. And my grandfather was always convinced that wrestling was, quote-unquote, real. We all know it's predetermined, but it's definitely real. People get hurt. And he thought it was real, real, because his friend would come to the bar that my grandfather owned, and he would sit down and drink, and he would have new injuries every week. Like, he'd have his head split open, or he'd be missing a tooth, or he'd have his arm in a sling. And so it was real to my grandfather. So my grandfather, we started watching wrestling together at the beginning of Hulkamania. At the very beginning, like Hulk Hogan beats the Iron Sheik, becomes the WWF champion, and that was like he was off to the races. I always hated Hulk Hogan. And this is, Ah. it's funny because as a stan, as a true, like still fan to this day, I can still work up a rage over Hulk Hogan because (laughs) I, I look back on his career at the beginning. So Hulk Hogan started as a bad guy. He started off as a heel Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. was a giant. He's just this massive guy, six foot six or seven, depending on you know, good or bad hair day. And he was this huge 300 pounder and he could throw people around and it would, it would be impossible that anyone could beat him other than like, say, Andre the Giant. So when he became a good guy, he never changed his style. So he continued to wrestle a heel style. So he was doing a back rake sometimes, which that's when you dig your nails into the back of a wrestler. I was like, that's a heel move. So he would do all these heelish stuff. He would would choke people with his t-shirt. He would rip the t-shirt and then choke people around the neck. And the ref was like, hey, man, I I wouldn't. It's Hulk Hogan. I was kind of, yeah. Yeah, Gotta let that go. So I hated (laughs) Hogan. And also Hogan, because he was a bigger guy, wrestled a slower style. And in the Mm -hmm. mid- 80s, you started to see guys like Macho Man Savage, who was a normal sized guy. He wasn't a small guy, by the way. Macho Man Savage was about six feet tall, easily 225, 230. So he wasn't a small guy. But mm-hmm. compared to Hulk Hogan, everybody's small. But Savage was this guy that could fly around the ring and do these five star matches. And Hogan, you would have to wrestle. Like, you didn't wrestle Hulk Hogan, you wrestled among Hulk Hogan. Like, you you wrestled around Hulk Hogan. And so I never, and also, I was always drawn to the bad guys. Like, I'm a big horror mm. movie buff, and so 
Hulk Hogan was always the say your prayers, eat your vitamins guy. And I couldn't <laughs> stand <laughs> it. And so, but then over the years, when you start to become a super fan and you start to hear the backstage stuff and he was a big backstage politician and refused to lose. And, you know, his famous catchphrase backstage is supposedly that doesn't work for me, brother. And that's basically him saying no to an idea that he didn't feel was good for his branding. I'll be using that. I'll be using that. I got, I actually personally got, that doesn't work, work for me, brother, <laughs> when I was at WWE. Wow. Oh my God, but I'm still saying he's a legend because that's mm-hmm. like, oh. that's like Randy, Randy Jackson's, it's a no for me dog, yeah, totally. but mm-hmm. he thought of that. <laughs> you know how we, okay, so I don't know if I like technically should say this, but you know how we fix it was, um, we sw- uh, switched corners so that Ric Flair was on the bottom third of the TV and Hulk Hogan was on the top third meaning that you could see Hulk's face for more of the match and the outcome, the finish was still the same, but just by making sure Hulk was on camera for the thing, then he was like, like we, like we just made that one change. (laughs) See if it, and then he kind of looked things over and maybe kind of got what we were going for. And then he was like, well, I'll do this. And it was just like, but I still, to this day, I'm like, I think it's because he got to be on TV more in 2019, (laughs) by the way. Like he was, he was backstage with his guy. We were like, I got, I got to get my brand over. I don't know if people know me yet, brother. <laughs> I gotta, love Got to make sure people see me. And so I, I literally just being the, the, the idiot, because everyone else there is super indoctrinated in the business. But as a, like looking at it objectively, I was like, why don't we just let him be on TV more? And then it was just like, they pitched that. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, like, that's so wonderful. <laughs> and I kind of, in a weird way, in a weird way, it made me like him a little bit more. I was like, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I, like I, I would, I would work people just to see if I could get, just like get a little something. Just be like, mm. uh, can I get a haircut out of well, it? I, sure. I would never deny I'll Hulk Hogan's it. place yeah, in the business like, or his charisma or his branding. I mean, all of that. He's, he's that large a name for a reason. That being said, when all of his personal problems went out into the public, I was like, you know what? I'm justified. I was right the whole damn time. And, uh, Love it. There's a word I we use, love. And, and I apologize for this, but it's, the word is timber fake, and it's just what it sounds like. It's I, I think there's a certain group of celebrity, and they all know it too. Like that, it's like they have this. They're like in this club of like, you know, you know, oh, warm and fuzzy and happy. And then there's like, uh, and also I murdered an alien and hung him up in my basement. You're like what? <laughs> like they all know about it, and I call them yeah. the timber fakes, where it's just like. Because I remember during the, the whole Britney Spears thing, when everyone was Ooh. going back to those old clips, and they were burying, I was like, "You think he's bad?" And I was like, "Do people forget about all the other things everyone else has done over the sure, years?" Sure, sure. And then you kind of look at it, and you're like, "Oh, but they're all the warm and fuzzy people." So like Hulk was like the original thing. So like when that came out, and everyone was jumping all over him, I was like, "Yeah, he's one of hundreds <laughs> probably that have weird stuff." But again, it goes back to. That's the risk you run, and that's the difficulty of being a hero in anything, and especially the wrestling world. When you're what they call a baby face, when you're when you are a John Cena or or someone like that, it's like that is such a boulder to have to carry compared to just being the villain, just being the bad guy. Because then it's like you know, you know, everyone's always after you. Try to find out, you know, um, you know, who are you really, you know? Well, and, and Hogan is a habitual line stepper. 
because it's like he starts really like people forget about the last dumb thing that he did. And then all of a sudden, six months later, he's talking about anti-vax in reference to uh, Betty White. Of course. Like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> idiot. You all you almost got oh, a yeah. WrestleMania payday and you had to talk about that. Yeah, but he's just, that <laughs> he can't help it. He has to do it. It's, it's just this thing that uh. he has to step in shit constantly because he's Hulk Hogan and, he, and he'll still get forgiven. Wow. There'll still be a day where he'll get yeah. to step out and tear off his t-shirt and he'll be 85 years old. And But it's, he He just, I feel like I was always right about him and uh, yeah. I'll stand by that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I just need everyone to know I've been inspired by this conversation and, and Caitlin, I have found out that there are limited batches of pasta mania uh, dishes left. So um, we're going to take a quick break because I'm having it delivered here right now for you, Caitlin. We're going to eat some pasta from pasta mania and then we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, unfortunately, it turns out it was not legitimate certified pasta mania pasta. It was just from the Olive Garden in Jersey City. But hey, that's still pretty. That's still top shelf, I'd say. We don't know where the Olive Garden source is, so it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Could Hulk Hogan be in the kitchen at the Olive Garden in Jersey City? Well, I'll tell you, Virgil's definitely there. That's for all the yeah. wrestling <laughs> wrestling fans out there. That's a very deep cut joke, but I had to throw that. He's probably. I love it. All right. Well, y'all, I've got a topic to I've sort of got a combo uh, thesis slash game that are sort of feeding into each other today. You know, in talking to Julie about where we might sort of find the Venn diagram of our common interests, I landed on Glow, Uh, you know, the popular Netflix series inspired by the real. Actual uh, gorgeous ladies of wrestling that was in the 80s and the amazing 2012 documentary um i loved the show season one in particular was incredible but i have i have a couple of questions my first one is why did it start off so good and fall apart so fast well what do you feel was what do you feel was weaker about the subsequent seasons i think personally the so first of all shooting anything wrestling is expensive to shoot so right off the top, like if you're on the sure. bubble and the, yeah. shooting wrestling is dangerous because you need stunt people. And but mm. the uh, the first season was phenomenal. And I think the unfortunate piece of it was they started moving away from wrestling and they started moving more towards mm. the interpersonal relationships, which is fine. But you, so Allison Brie and Betty Gilpin were both fantastic. But then you start mm-hmm. pairing off yeah. Allison Brie with one of the ugliest leading men that has ever lived and then teasing that she's going to end up with Mark Marin. So right there, I think the audience's mm-hmm. disbelief starts to be suspended a little <laughs> too close to the ground. I don't think any I don't think he would even argue that he's not a leading man. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know that it had anything to do with him not being a leading man. There was just some creep vibes, right? Like, yeah, I think it had nothing to do with either of them. Like in another setting with a different relationship i could have bought them together but like man you gotta go romantic with her like can you just be like a nice guy that she you know can it just be professional come on exactly that was it for me that that was a big problem but the first season i mean was on point Mm -hmm. the whole the whole season was great second season was a mixed bag and then and then after that i i i don't think i've watched the rest I think I watched maybe the first episode of the third season and then that was it. I was trying to figure out if as much as I love him and I will watch everything he's on, 
Chris Lowell, I love him so much. But is there is he cursed? Is he just meant to destroy television shows? I mean, Veronica Mars, Private Practice, all of these shows. They're like, what's he's he a new doing? Ted McGinley. I mean, he didn't even make it through Private Practice. He got killed off in one of the most bizarre twists. Like this. Guy. And sorry, folks, for being. If you've listened just for wrestling and you're getting a private <laughs> practice spoiler <laughs> an hour in, and you were like, I was saving it. Uh, huge apologies, and so we cannot sorry. cut it. Um, <laughs> But what is the, like, do you feel that, how can a wrestling, sh- let, let's say there's no budget, how yeah. can a wrestling show grow? Like, what what would be the yeah. arcs we'd want to see? I don't know that a wrestling show can grow past WWE. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to be the problem, is that there's there's something bigger and better out there, and it's always the big show. And so, I, I right now, I mean, I know there's a wrestling program with, uh, with uh, Green Arrow. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, there there's stuff out there, but I think that's always going to be the problem is that eventually you're going to have performers who can right. act and also do the moves and they're on WWE. And right, that's right. always going to be the problem with any wrestling show. Well, you've actually, you've, you've helped set me up very nicely for my next question, which is, you know, I was thinking about Glow on Netflix. And what I realized is as much as I love the first couple of seasons, I don't mourn its loss. What I mourn is that we don't have the actual gorgeous ladies of wrestling tv show anymore it's supposed to be coming back that's the rumor because um one of the former wrestlers ursula hayden has owned it since 2001 and they they were doing stuff in the early 2000s they did that documentary in 2012 but then it seems like everything kind of got stopped when the netflix show was on but i've been hearing that it's supposed to be coming back and since you've all already established that i could be a wrestler i think it's only fair that caitlin comes with me so i would love to hear y'all's pitch for caitlin and i's tag team because i do think we can be part of glow i think we can help bring glow back so i'm gonna need from you all our ring names our entrance song. oh i'll yeah. give you right now you're a podcast host so you're the you're the heavenly potties heavenly potties your, okay there was yes okay yes uh yes tom pritchard yeah. i've heard he has a brother that works in wrestling okay. just a rumor That's i don't amazing. know but there was a guy named tom pritchard um and uh, he was in a tag team uh jim cornet mm-hmm. corny Cornet, I don't know. I we'll love find, that. We'll find out right, later so when we get hate mail from them. But there was a tag team that John's heavenly... about to get trolled very hard after this. I'm not at all. I'm not working out. anybody here. I'm being. I'm. I'm okay. shooting. There's no heavenly work here. bodies. And um, that they were the heavenly bodies. You're the heavenly potties. I love that. That's who uh, you are. All right. So then, and then, yeah. and then, the feud that starts it off is uh, your your rivals say, "Oh, so what are you heavenly toilets?" And you go, "No," and you go, "It's it's potties." And then your catchphrase is. That's uh, potties. And think of us because we're at double D's. And then that's how it gets wow. to the like the, the last hour of the show. Well, then. So it's like you're the edgy. You're that you're the R rated attitude. So are we then heel- heavenly potties? Double D. Don't forget. So then are it. we heels or baby faces? Which I've learned heels. Is I think you I think you'd be good. baby faces that act like heels. You're raking everyone's back just like Hulk Hogan. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I that's like that. that's more on brand than you even know, John. Also known as the tweener. 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 What are some other names though for when Vince changes his mind uh the day of the show? Well, I'm I'm pretty into this one though. First, I gotta know what our entrance song would be if we're the heavenly potties. 
Well, are we doing, are we going, John, are we, are we feeling like angel look? If we're saying that the heavenly potties, it does, it, are the, are we talking like we're a little bit of a, like a wings, like angel look? Are, mm. are, are we leaning into the heavenly? Yes. Yes. You know, I, ethereal? I think there's something about, and that's something about being in the airwaves too. Oh, oh. it's true. The clouds. You de- wow. Oh my God. These Shoot. people are pros. Yep. Mm-hmm. There it is. That actually, you know what I, what, what I, I, I can feel it right now. It may just be one person ever li- from WWE listens. Somehow this is going to get back to the fourth floor, Julie, and it will get at least that 30 second consideration. That's, that's the most any of our projects ever have gotten. He's this really going to, be- he's going to hear the word <laughs> podcast. He's going to hear the word podcast and be like, Pod- I've heard, I've heard kids are getting out of the podcast. It's like, it's on the radio, right? And you'll just go with it and go like, uh-huh. And he will think this up because I don't think they've done like a podcast gimmick at WWE. I mean, they have a ton of podcasts, (laughs) but like not on the not. No. Yeah. Vince doesn't know that. I'm telling you right now, two weeks after this, two weeks after this episode (laughs) drops, Sammy Zayn's going to be a podcast. Yes. That's going to be the thing. He already he has been. But that his new thing is he's going to be like, (laughs) he's going to be like, I can't get the cameraman anymore. So now I'm a podcast. He's had his microphone. He's like, he's had a pretend podcast. That would be great. He definitely has the physique of a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a a bag of. Yeah. Well, I think we'd all look the same getting in a fight with Brock Lesnar. Why are you getting bags of yogurt? <laughs> I don't know. What's happening that's, with that's your the Costco? Only way Everyone yells it. at me and says, I'm the one that's going to get trolled. And I just sit back and listen to Julie and Tom bury everybody. True. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, pr- I probably will get trolled. It's always no, it's, me. I'm the heel reason. of this. I'm the heel of our podcast. Heavenly Potties. That's what I like. Entrance song, Devil's Radio by George <gasps> Harrison. Wow. Devil's Radio. Okay. And then if we can get it cleared, if we get, that was always the biggest thing. <laughs> Can you get it clear? Or you change two <laughs> notes in it and have the music department make a MIDI file. I love a MIDI file. All right. And then I have to know, mm. what would our finisher move be? What is the finisher move for the Heavenly Bodies? Somebody already has mic check as a move. Mm. So that's that's already taken. I know. Oh, that is a good. Shoot. That oh. is a good one, mic check. I want yeah. something with commercial break, too, since Lauren is so good at going to yep. commercial break. Commercial, the commercial break. Use the old demolition move where somebody holds uh, the prone wrestler over their knee and then the other one comes off the top rope with the with the uh, forearm or oh. elbow. That yeah. works. And every yep. time you do a commercial break, you have a sponsor <gasps> there. So that's how you make your money as the Heavenly yep. Potties. Is. Wow. We're bringing in more money than WWE ever imagined. Yeah, money. More money for it. It's the commercial break sponsored by Geico. And then... <laughs> if I could work with the Gecko... Oh, man, that, there's a gimmick. Have a tag team where they're finishing maneuver. Every time they go into it, they stop and go to commercial and come back with, <laughs> it, with the end of the match already <laughs> having taken place. I yeah, mean, like I think like like the, the way The Rock threw his elbow pad into the... Or John Cena does You Can't See Me and the opponent miraculously can't get up. Yes. I think it's the same thing. I think you get the opponent prone and then like the, the someone oh, totally. walks across holding a uh, like uh, a Geico sign just walks oh, across the ring God. and then you do the move. And you know what's ridiculous is everything I'm oh. saying right now would legit get considered. And if I heard someone pitch it, I wouldn't be like, that's terrible. I'd be no. like, maybe that I'd be like, that makes money like that could be ridiculous. Why not? I fully expect Ursula Hayden, owner of Glow, to be sliding into Caitlin and I's DMs immediately. And Ursula, <sighs> we accept we will be there. Just tell us <laughs> when and where. OK, so here's something to think mm-hmm. about, though. You got to be careful with your product placement because AEW. Mm-hmm. 
which is the 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 other organization that is against oh, yeah, Tom yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm going to talk about okay so they had a match where during uh they had like they have these gruesome matches that are just like like you know Vince calls them blood and guts matches because it's blood and guts and they had um uh, one of the wrestlers took out a, a pizza cutter and started cutting at the other wrestlers like forehead starting doing it and right when that happened they were doing picture in picture ads so it was like a commercial in the wrestling uh was it a it was a Domino's mm-hmm. ad right they came on there was an ad for Domino's pizza while the guy was using a pizza cutter mm. to cut the guy's head. Oh <gasps> my god. Ooh. And that that is oh, what it's you. in Domino's though. Yeah, Domino's and Domino's loved it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's one of those things where everyone had to pretend they were upset. And me being yeah, the cynic who's worked in TV was like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm I'm the person that if I'm the executive, I just let everyone lie yep. and then just go like, poor shit. Like the, none of that. You guys totally planned oh that. Oh my spot. god! Well, I mean, the wow. the sublime and the ridiculous has been pitched at WWE before. Uh, you know that whole idea we were talking about, where they cut to commercial during someone's finisher. There was a wrestler who's Vince Vince McMahon's. He didn't like this wrestler's face. It was Christian, and uh, he just thought Christian had a smarmy face. Oh my god! So he tried to get him to wrestle in a mask. Like let's put a mask on him, and he didn't want to wrestle in a mask. Wow. So then his next pitch was. How about every time he comes to the ring, we put a blue dot over his face for the whole match. And that was a real pitch. That's and they incredible. almost put that on television wow. where they matrixed out somebody's face because he didn't like it. Instead, from about wow. 2015 to 2018, they just did it to Hulk Hogan in every clip he was in. And then, <laughs> then when he was uncanceled, they were like, all right, take off the blue dot. Right, right, yeah. remember, remember when that, that indistinguishable man body slammed Andre the Giant? That was something. <laughs> what's his name? Amania. What's it? Yeah. What's his name? Amania's. Yeah. No, that's exciting. He cannot be named. Um, but I will say, Lauren and Caitlin for the Heavenly Potties. What I really like about this is that every promo that you guys cut, so like in ring promo that you have, it's just going to be chock full of pop culture references, which would make me so happy. Like ev- you'll be able. It, it, in WWE, something one of the the lines of like, remember when you're writing something, it was always like, is there something relevant you can bring up? And I just feel like your entire promo, your 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 would just it, you could talk about anything and everything that's happening in pop culture. Caitlin, we've been wasting all of our time. We should have had our eyes on Stanford and been heading to the WWE years ago. Yeah, I always had a feeling, but now it's it's interesting to know what concretely we should have been doing. And then well, I think like you should do ads like when you cut your promos right in the middle, you do an ad for like stamps.com. Oh, absolutely. And, like, oh, obviously. And, like, and ZipRecruiter and stuff like that. Since you ladies are now interested yeah. in wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. could you send my packet to Ursula over at Glow because yeah. I would love that. <laughs> I, I watched wow. Glow hey man, same here. and it's a rigid Oh, it's yes. great. Form. I watched. Well, I watched Glow, the Glow, like eighties Glow, 80s like late night best. TV Glow. Yep, it was. That, I watched every I, episode. A lot of people say we wrestle in tights. These aren't tights. These are meundies. Meundies. You can get with twenty percent off by using the Heavenly Potties discount code. <laughs> wow. Well, that's amazing. I, oh I'm starting gosh. to see Macho Man Randy Savage on an elliptical next to me. I'm getting visions. So it's probably time to wrap up. Oh, you so you guys have a new podcast. Where can we find it? Well, it is called Turnbuckles and um it's available <laughs> it's Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts or whatever. We just it's, recorded it's, 30 minutes of promos before we we hopped on with you guys. So It's a iHeart it's I it's a it's iHeart Media, iHeart Radio with a Cloud 10 and uh we be, 
will be dropping uh, every Wednesday and sort of uh, like first thing in the morning, I think, right? Or like midnight even, I think. And so it's sort of like uh, we're going to mostly, Julie and I, uh, it was interesting. When I was leaving, Julie was just coming in. We had worked in another show together. Um, so we kind of sort of crisscrossed at WWE by like a couple days. And then, um, but, uh, you know, so it's basically what we're going to do is we, we each wrote for Raw. That was a show we wrote on. Um, it's the three-hour show. It's on every Monday night. That's right. Three, three hours of something. So, <laughs> so the trick with that is sometimes those shows can get, and we know from working there, um, it can be cumbersome to try to figure out how to fill that three hours and how to keep everyone, how to make anyone watch something longer than 30 minutes is, is a real challenge. And so they try a lot of interesting things on raw and some things are really great. And let's just say every now and then you end up having Vince McMahon chasing after a golden egg, which was a genuine storyline a couple which months ago. Sounds amazing. It actually. ended up, but that's, a, that's our take on it is we're going to let everyone blow with themselves up on Tuesday because everyone's so naked. That's the thing with like, like, you know, I'll get trolled a lot for this too and whatever, but like, um, it's just like the wrestling fandom, everyone's so negative. I just feel like right now everyone's like, it could be such a good time for wrestling. Everyone gets so angry at every storyline. They're always so angry. It's like no one can wait and see how something pans out. And like, you know, if you're watching a drama, if you're watching Succession and halfway through the first episode, you're like, the season stinks. It's like, that's not how you watch Succession. So, I, so it's that's like, only how you watch Sex in the City. Well, that's after the first 30 seconds. But um, as far as um, like wrestling goes, it's like no one's like, giving it the benefit of the doubt it's like can you just wait and see where it's going and so sort of our angle on it is like uh if it doesn't work well maybe this is how you interpret it and maybe this is where we they were going with it and then um it's sort of us sort of trying to um put our spin on it and julie probably just kind of guess maybe when we see it's sometimes we'll see things on tv and we'll kind of say i bet this is what they were oh, trying cool. to do mm, cool well that's awesome am i right with that am i right with that yeah Julie? yeah yeah please please listen have we're like like uh like john said it's every wednesday we're gonna talk about uh, monday night raw we're gonna preview smackdown we're gonna talk about all of the um premium events mm. uh that that happen and um we'll, we'll premium get, live events premium yeah. live events premium live events and uh <laughs> will formerly known as pay-per-views yes pro- formerly known pay-per-views and we'll we'll give you some we'll give you some stories about uh my brief time at wwe and my brief time and then also just like the other times like we said we've been at other shows we've gotten to work with these people and um, hopefully, uh, you know, have, have some guests on and we'll be talking to some old friends from world wrestling. And, uh, but I think the other thing is like, instead of just like, what's it like to be wrestling, like have a specific take. So for, I think for each guest, we might just pick a topic that you may not, they may, you may not know about them and you, you know, just something that we can really get into with them and just kind of go off. Or if there's something, some crazy, say the murder hornets come back or some, or, you know, the spiders are supposed to be falling from the sky. You know, how how would the Iron Sheik deal with those spiders that are falling from the sky? Like, that's something. And when the the Heavenly Potties um, makes their debut, we would love to, obviously. Yes, 100%. All right, well, we'll see. But yeah, well, maybe we're going to be pretty busy. Um, So where can our Stan Stans find you guys on social? I am where can they at follow Rhymania. you? Uh, that's R-I-N-E-M-A-N-I-A. And that's Instagram and Twitter. I am at Tommy Reek Comedy. So T O M M Y R I C O M E D Y. 
so I am on uh, TikTok, which I haven't used yet, and Instagram and Twitter, which I used to use a lot and have now deleted everything and starting over. So, <laughs> which everyone should do, by the way. Everyone who ever wants to work again, delete everything on Twitter and start over nicer. Yes, you can follow me on, on TikTok at, at Nice Girl Julie. All right. And speaking of preemo live events, we've got another live event coming up <laughs> Wednesday. April 13th, 7 p.m. Caveat in New York City. Uh, information about that is on our Instagram, which is at We Stand Social. It's also at our website, WeStandTogether.com. And guess what, folks? If you're a fan of the show and you're not in New York, don't worry. We're going to be live streaming once again. So buy a ticket for you. Buy a ticket for your grandma, your grandma's best friend. Buy it for everyone down at the community center doing bingo. My gosh, your grandma's best friend is hard up for things to do. Hang out mm -hmm. with her. Watch our live stream. Uh, thank you guys you've been so amazing this has been awesome thank you thank you until next time Stan Sands thanks for having we us we stand we stand thank thanks you. so much we stand we stand together aww